Hello and welcome to the 12 Minutes of Workplace Health podcast. I'm Harry Bliss, CEO and co-founder of Champion Health, and today we're joined by Louise Aston, Wellbeing Director at Business in the Community. Louise is a multi-award-winning campaigner when it comes to mental health and workplace health, and is recognised by the Institute of Directors, Society of Occupational Medicine, and also REBA. Louise is going to talk about all of the incredible work that business in the community are doing to support organisations like yours, and also the experience that she's been able to muster up over the last 15 to 20 years. Welcome to the podcast, Louise. Hello, Louise. How are you? I'm good. Thanks, Harry. Um, it's a beautiful day in West London and many thanks for having me and I'm looking forward to our conversation. Not at all. I'm really excited for today's conversation. We were on a panel recently um, at the International um, Stress Management Association talking about all things workplace health. And I thought we need to get you on this podcast for our listeners. So thank you for taking the time out today. Can you just introduce a little bit about your background? Because I find it fascinating, the work that you're doing with many organisations and also the experience that you've gained over the last 15, 20 years in this space. Well, well, my background is I is actually creative. So I trained as a textile designer for fashion. And I was actually, um, I was a fashion buyer for a leading high street retailer. Um, but I transitioned into campaigning by taking health into fashion. So this was trying to create a mass market for sun protective kind of swimwear for kids. Um, and basically no retailers believed me that there was a market. So I designed my own collection and basically created a new British standard for UV protection. And that actually ended up funding a government campaign called Sun Know How. Then I transitioned into mental health after my brother was diagnosed with schizophrenia. Um, and um, basically, in terms of being really passionate about the injustices around and stigma around mental health, that's something that's been with me for a very long time and has been the kind of constant theme in my campaigning. Um, so I joined Business in the Community um, a while ago, and I guess to do with my private sector experience, along with being, I'd been creative director at um, COI, which was the government's marketing and communications agency. And I was responsible, um, five a day was mine. Um, Frank, drugs um, helpline, um, don't give up, giving up, um, tobacco education. So all of that kind of experience in terms of understanding health and well-being from a kind of policy point of view, but also from a business perspective, dealing with diverse, complex stakeholders and being passionate about mental health and well-being has taken me to business in the community where our members are businesses. We've got most of the FTSE 250 um, and we work with our members to continually improve their responsible business practice. So that's really about kind of leveraging their collective impact to tackle difficult issues um, for the benefit of society. And so at Business in the Community, I have a leadership team um, of about 14 execs. Our chair is the CEO of Lloyd's Commercial Banking Group. And 
those business leaders really provide thought leadership and overall direction for the campaign, obviously within the kind of strategic framework of business in the community. And you must have seen huge transitions in terms of well-being and not least the last two years, but the last 10 years as well. Can you just talk a little bit about that? Because you've been in this space much longer than I have and many people have um, when it comes to, to workplace health. I'd be fascinated to find out more around that. Yeah, no, sure. So when I started this campaign, is um, it was actually called Business Action on Health. And then basically this is about 12, 13 years ago, is kind of health and well-being obviously there was health and safety which is kind of compliance but over and beyond that it was very much positioned as a fluffy nice to have add-on um and basically it was things like fruity fridays and gym membership but nothing really about mental health and certainly not an integrated approach and certainly not a boardroom issue so you know, over the years, um, there's a lot of things that have happened is basically to do with kind of the impact of people like Professor Dame Carol Black on policy in terms of making the linkages between kind of good work and productivity um, and really actually kind of creating that space along with the Stevenson Pharma Review in terms of mental health at work in terms of actually seeing what actually works to improve mental health. So really, I guess in the last 10 years, I've seen a radical shift. It's taken a long time, it's been gradual, in terms of mental health awareness raising, but until a couple of years ago, it really wasn't translating into mainstream kind of um, strategic action. Many employers were going for the kind of low-hanging, easy kind of um, fruit. And, you know, every year at Business in the Community, we've been doing a national um, YouGov mental health work survey. Um, although, as I said, awareness was raising, it wasn't translating into um, tackling the systemic causes. And I think it's really taken a pandemic for mental health along with integrated well-being to become a boardroom issue. I completely agree um, in, in terms of that. And it's fascinating to hear about the, the background um, across the last 10, 10, 15 years as well. And I'm sure many of our listeners are aware of the Stevenson Pharma report. And if you're not, please Google it because it is so powerful when it comes to not just the moral case, but the business case um, with workplace health. Now, last summer, you published the What If Your Job Was Good For You report. What were the drivers and objectives for the creation of this report? Well, Harry, it goes back to what you were saying about the Stevenson Pharma Review. So the Stevenson Pharma Review basically identified six evidence-based standards. And we worked with the Thriving at Work Leadership Council, which was came out after the um, Stevenson Pharma Thriving at Work report was, um, was launched. And we worked with them to develop something called the Mental Health at Work Commitment, which is underpinned by six standards. The original Stevenson Farmer ones were updated because some of them were a little out of date because the report was published in 2017. And 
before the pandemic, standard two of those six standards that underpin the mental health work commitment, which is proactively ensure work design and organisational culture drive positive mental health outcomes, was really considered for many people just too difficult and extremely challenging even for the more kind of pioneering companies out of the six standards to implement. But literally over the night, the pandemic provided this once in a lifetime opportunity to reimagine ways of working. And, you know, I think it's fair to say that COVID's transformed ways of working forever, acting as an accelerant for flexible and hybrid ways of working that really didn't seem possible before. So the What If Your Job Was Good For You, um, it's, uh, it's freely available um, on Business in the Community's website. It was informed by a national YouGov survey, um, qual interviews with our members and stakeholders, a literature review, and accompanied by an anthology of case studies and videos. And again, as I said, they're all freely available on BITC's website. So the report was never intended to be an end in itself. We absolutely didn't claim to have all the answers. And basically, it was the start of a journey. And collaboration was absolutely baked into the development of the report. And you'll see at the beginning of the report, the kind of many contributors that we've been working with and many partners, including MIND, Mental Health UK, Society of Occupational Medicine, Disability Forum, and independently endorsed by um, CIPD. So from that um, report, we basically, as I said, it didn't stop there, is we basically um, convened um, a whole series of roundtables around actually engaging business leaders, um, but also gathering insights to inform the kind of next chapter of the campaign, um, which is what we're working on right now. Fantastic. And when it comes to, to finding that report, again, just Google um, what if your job was good for you or go on the BITC website to be able to access it. It is really in-depth um, and a fantastic piece of work. Now, what we love to do within this podcast is be future focused and to look at what we can do going forwards for you and your experience from all of the conversations you're having, and all of the research that you're absorbing and reading at the moment. What are the main calls to action that you would give to employers and leaders within organisations? when it comes to workplace health? There's been a paradigm shift, hasn't there, between the job seekers and employers. And in terms of employees being a lot more aspirational and discerning in terms of what they actually want, in terms of when, where and how they work. So basically, I think that employers need to treat job seekers um, and their own existing employees um, as kind of clients, as customers, and actually listen to what they want and take that very kind of tailored, personalised approach. Um, you know, obviously, this is against the backdrop of the great resignation. Um, yep. So no employer can actually 
you know, if they want to attract and retain the best possible talent, um, they actually need to sit up and take notice. And a lot more employers actually um, rate or value well-being as a very important part of their job. And I think it's something that we're finding with all organisations at the moment that recruiting the right talent is is extremely difficult. And so just to summarise now, we've got around 30 seconds left in today's session. And I want to say, first of all, a massive thank you for you joining. What's next for business in the community? I've heard about a sequel um, of, the, uh, of the report that you're launching in June. Yeah, I mean, as I said at the beginning, we've learned so much through this series. I mean, we've run about 25 roundtables and they haven't just been talking shops. We really kind of, you know, talk about test and learn and finding out loads of really interesting kind of angles that informed our latest new Better Work um, YouGov survey is we're working on a sequel to What If Your Job Was Good For You called Your Job can be good for you, which will be launched on the 9th of June. Um, and I think, you know, although we've made progress, there's worrying signs that the nation's mental health is getting worse since the pandemic and work is still a significant factor. We know that more than one in three of UK employees are unhappy in their job and a third are only just getting by. And, you know, the pandemic and now the global humanitarian crises have caused many of us to really reassess how what we think about life, work and what we want out of both. So, as I said before, business cannot ignore the great resignation or call it the great reassessment um, with almost one in four employees actively planning to change employers. Um, so basically, there is no one way of designing good work. Um, all employers must take an individual and inclusive approach that protects and promotes mental health and well-being. And it's back to this employers, wherever possible, to be enabled to take ownership in terms of co-creating their own good job based on what's important to them and supported by managers and aligned with organisational practices and policies. But one of the things that is worrying is that we must approach creating good jobs with caution and avoid risking a kind of two-tier ways of working with higher paid employees more likely to access flexible working than lower paid. I mean, we know even in the height of the pandemic is... 47.7% only of UK employees were even able to work from home. Um, and also to do with the pandemic, we've also seen the connections between people and planet. So in Your Job Can Be Good For You, we'll also be introducing a green environmental lens to integrated wellbeing, promoting the dual benefits of purposeful active travel, for both air quality and physical and mental health, along with the benefits of connecting with nature and the greening of the office. So that's kind of where we're going. I don't think for a moment we're going to have all the answers, Harry. But, you know, in terms of working with a collaborative movement, with some really good kind of qual and quant research um, and everything that we've learned since the pandemic, is I think we will have a lot more to support. Your job can be good for you. 
I think that's a fantastic message to to wrap up today's session. So, Louise, I want to say a massive thank you because I know how busy you are, all of the work that you're doing in the space. And I want to say a thank you on behalf of everyone that's benefiting from the work that you're doing within their organisation as well. It's an absolute pleasure and thank you for having me. For more exclusive insights and content around workplace wellbeing, please subscribe to this podcast and we look forward to seeing you on the next episode.